Hi, thanks for having me. I am not a documentarian, but I do write a lot of document, uh, documentation. So um, it's really cool to be hanging around folks who actually do this for a living. Um, so I work for a company. Uh, actually, before I start, I'm going to make sure that my uh, speaker notes show up here. Ha! Victory is mine. Um, also, if anyone can knock over any beverages right now, <laughs> screaming children, now's the time to get it all out of our systems. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> um, starting again. Hi, I'm Ruthie. Uh, I'm an engineer. Um, I work for a company these days called Automatic Labs. Uh, we make a uh, hardware product that plugs into your car, pairs with an app on your phone that we also make. Um, tells you all kinds of information about your car. So anything your car's computer knows, we know too. Um, helps you drive smarter, drive safer. Um, uh, we have lots of partnerships with insurance companies and whatnot, so you can actually get a discount based on how you actually drive, um, stuff like that. So it's an interesting, <laughs> we make some pretty interesting technology, and I'm happy to talk with folks more about it later if they'd like. Um, so as I said, I'm an engineer. I've spent the last decade writing software at nonprofits, for-profits, wish we were making profits. Uh, I've, done, <laughs> I've done stints at both uh, sort of traditional, what we think of as traditional uh, bootstrapped companies and also investment-backed startups, um, organizations that move at all sorts of speeds. We're doing all right. Um, and today I'd just like to share some thoughts uh, on uh, how we all think about and talk about the purpose and process of writing technical documentation um, and how our thoughts on those things change uh, based on whether the organization is moving fast or moving slow. Um, Ultimately, this talk is, is going to be more philosophical than practical, um, and I'm hoping that we'll walk away with some helpful framing that ultimately helps us all um, work together better. Um, the title of this talk, by the way, for those who don't know, is a nod to Facebook's former motto, uh, which was move fast and break things. Uh, interestingly, Facebook stopped using this motto in 2014, and uh, we'll come back to that. Um, so a little bit of background. I've never worked anywhere that had you. Um, I've never worked with technical writers. Um, so everywhere I've worked, technical documentation is done by engineers like me. Um, and the first time that I ever wrote techn technical documentation at uh, a job, it was at an organization that, uh, from a technical perspective, moved quite slowly. It was, a, uh, it was, and still is, a stable nonprofit. It's been around for about 40 years. Um, I was the only software engineer on staff, um, which meant that I did everything. Um, and I was there for about four years, accomplished a lot, and at that end of that time, I was like, okay, it's time for me to move on. Um, and uh, when you're the only technical person at an organization saying, that's not my job, like someone clearly did, uh, about anything technical is just a non-starter. Um, it's not like anyone else is going to do it. Um, so I decided when I was leaving this job that it was my job to make sure that the website and all of the related technical infrastructure, all of which I'd built and maintained over the last four years, making sure that that would all keep humming uh, along without me. 
Um, so I wrote up like a novel's worth of documentation on exactly how everything worked. I drew diagrams. I commented on every single piece of code that I could find. I wrote up how-tos um, for uh, the public affairs staff and for the fundraising staff on everything from how to post a new blog post to the website to making sure that we were PCI compliant. Um, someone's, I was talking to someone earlier who said they work at Visa. Um, PCI compliance, fun times. Um, uh, everything down to like what that weird Perl script does that some volunteer wrote 15 years ago and please don't delete it. Like that, uh, that level of documentation. Um, I trained my boss, I trained our fundraising staff, and I also spent a month uh, hiring my replacement. And then I spent two weeks um, sitting side by side with my replacement, training him on everything that I could think of. Um, I even connected him with a local meetup that I had started a couple years before um, that I'd, uh, for people who were using the same content management system that we were using at this organization. Um, just so that when I skipped town, uh, he would have some uh, you know, uh, contractors or just some, some folks to lean on. Um, so in retrospect, maybe I went a little overboard. Um, I have since learned that that is maybe a little bit more than what most folks do when they're leaving a company. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but in short, I did everything that I could to, to make sure that the software that I'd made would last. Um, and why? Why was that important? Because uh, over those four years, I had internalized uh, the reason why that organization cared about things like technical documentation. If that nonprofit or any nonprofit had to articulate the value that it finds in technical documentation, it would look something like this. Um, it's a slow-moving organization that doesn't have um, a lot of technical folks around, but has some key pieces of technical infrastructure that need to stay up and running for them to stay up and running. Um, and so the important thing for them is that their software lasts as long as possible, it's re as reliable as possible. Basically, it's not changing, it's pretty boring, making sure that it stays boring. And by boring, I mean not going down, not crashing. Um, so fast forward a few years. Um, whoever's smiling right now knows Monty Python. Um, so fast forward a few years, and I found myself uh, out here in San Francisco working for a digital agency. Um, uh, so like a, a dev shop is a way to think about it. Um, and anyone familiar with Monty Python uh, and now for something completely different? Um, this was completely different. Uh, at an agency, as a software engineer, you're generally not writing production software. Um, most of the time, you're making prototypes. Um, these are code artifacts that are throwaway. They're meant to vet an idea or use in a pitch or use in a demo, basically meant to help someone figure out whether the thing that they were trying to do was a good idea or not. Uh, the actual thing that you were making, I mean, it's, it's not meant to be actual shipping, supported, supportable software. Um, you're basically making the software equivalent of disposable shopping bags um, because what the clients are, care about and what they're paying for are the bag's contents. Um, and uh, I was there for about two years and I didn't write much documentation during that time. Um, I wrote the correct amount of documentation for that uh, environment, which was the bare minimum that I needed to understand it between when I started working on it and when the deliverable was due. 
Um, the code bases needed to be understandable enough to be able to hand to someone and have them run it, but it didn't have to be understandable enough to maintain or extend. Um, so <laughs> if that agency or any agency uh, had to articulate the value that it finds in technical documentation, I would guess that it would look something like this. Um, and I want to be clear that this is not a criticism of that agency or any agency or of the agency model. It's a completely rational position to take given the business model and the business need. Um, it's also just completely different. Um, and I also discovered that I'm not the right person for this type of environment. Um, because as a software engineer, it makes it difficult to learn. Um, so I think the, the term is culture fit. Um, I was looking for a better culture fit. And my happy place is shipping production software. I like to make things that people use, that they use over time, that we get to then see how they're using and see where it's failing them and fix that so they can use it better and achieve everything that they're trying to achieve with it. Um, and so what better place to do that than, in, in this town anyway, than at a product-driven startup? Um, so we're talking a place that lives or dies by what they ship, what they make, and what they continue to support and extend. Um, I found a startup that fit the bill. Um, and as I described earlier, we're making a cool, useful, and pretty engineering-heavy product, um, hardware, firmware, an iOS app, an Android app, and the web services, aka the cloud that glues it all together. Um, so that's quite a lot of engineering. Um, so it's interesting problems. Uh, and so I hopped aboard. And the day before I started, um, I think I started on a, no, no, I started on a Monday. So the Sunday, I remember thinking to myself, awesome. I can't wait to read the awesome documentation that I'm sure that they have. Um, uh, on what they've made so far so that, you know, I can just like hit the ground running day one. Um, so implicit in that obviously is, is a bit of a lazy assumption, which is that the organization that I was joining cared about technical docs for my sake, right? This was my assumption um, that they, the, the organization wrote technical docs with the mindset that uh, the reason we, you know, we care about these because it helps us onboard new staff. Um, so you can guess where this is going. On my first day, here's the wiki page for the code base that I was working on. Um, this is a code base uh, that had existed for, um, oh, probably about a year and a half at that point. Um, so that was nice. Um, many readmes looked like this one. Um, I started referring to these in my head as don't bother reading these. Um, that's just the like, obviously that's what happens when you just, that's the hello world. Um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it took me three working days um, to get the code powering the website to run on my laptop. We're not talking about making changes to the website or anything like that. I'm talking getting it running on my local machine so that I could do stuff with it. Um, I started on a Monday and I sent these emails uh, Wednesday, end of day, like 6 p.m. to my boss. Um, <laughs> so you're not wrong, but also that is really sad for our industry. <laughs> oh, no, I, <laughs> whiskey later. I mean, <laughs> um, it took me uh, another two working days 
to make my first code contribution. Um, this, by the way, doesn't mean that it was deployed to production. It just means that like the change was there to eventually, you know, be deployed. Um, I just ran into glitch after glitch, making the trying to make the code review tools work for me. Now, I, at this point, I had you know like I'd done this for a while. Like I'm not a bad engineer, um, but the the environment that I was stepping into was so completely different from environments that I worked in before. This was um, what I would consider to be my first sort of full engineering organization. They had sort of all of the build tools, all of the good practices um, that in the past when it was just one person working on the site, all of that stuff would have been unnecessary overhead. So I knew there was going to be a little bit of overhead of learning to use all of these sort of best practice tools that wouldn't have made sense when you're a solo developer. But um, man, that was, that was a rough first week. Um, and uh, it wasn't just a rough first week for me. Uh, during that week and the following weeks, uh, I had to continually interrupt the other two front-end engineers, uh, my boss. Um, I also had to interrupt the guy running data science at the time. Why data science? Because no particular reason other than that person was also the person who had set up all of those internal code review tools that I was uh, stumbling over. And so they were the subject matter expert on something that had nothing to do with data science. So I had to her basically harass him too. Um, just in order to be able to do my job. Um, so, I mean, everything I just described is like a little bit hashtag startup. Like, that's pretty typical, but um, it, it can make for a frustrating um, onboarding experience. And obviously, that has all kinds of uh, uh, explicit and hidden costs for the organization. Um, there's one more bumpy thing that I just wanted to share because I find it so hilarious. So. Real thing. <laughs> Software is hilarious. Um, so this is about a month and a half in. Um, I was doing some routine development work using a version control system called Git uh, that I'd been using for years. I had actually gotten a previous job on the strength of my teaching someone how to use Git. Like, I know how to use Git. Um, I somehow and I still don't know how, managed to get the code base that I was working on uh, into such a bad state that it took two senior engineers 40 minutes working together and a whiteboard to figure out just what the hell had happened and to fix it. One of those engineers, by the way, after leaving Automatic, went off and wrote a Git client. So <laughs> um, it took that guy plus someone else 40 minutes. So that's the kind of thing that can happen. Um, Especially with Git, <laughs> I, 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 wish, I really wish I knew what happened. Uh, that's how it started. It, it got, went downhill from there. Um, uh, so clearly, my lazy assumption was wrong. It is uh, perfectly valid for an organization to care about you know, technical docs, internal technical documentation, because it helps onboard new staff. I would say that's a very good reason. Um, but that wasn't the reason for this organization. And it's likely not the reason for your organization's engineers either, unless you're like either a presidential campaign that's onboarding like an entire new row of desks every week because you're ramping up, um, or you just took some like massive VC infusion and you're doubling staff every week. Unless that's your reality, this is probably not the, the reason why your company cares. It's a reason, but not the reason. Um, 
And if I was going to be successful in this role at this company, um, when I was coming in and like clearly a little bit out of my depth, um, I needed to figure out why this organization and the people in it cared about technical documentation. Um, and I also want to be clear that this is like not a knock on my employer, like, nor on my colleagues. As an engineering organization, we did and do so many things right that so many other companies do not do right. Um, it's really nice. It means that I'm spoiled for life. Um, like, these would be some examples of those things. Um, and as engineers and colleagues, we also did a, a lot of things right. Colleagues were always supportive, um, like to a person, help, uh, helpful, willing to help me puzzle through something new. And crucially, uh, and this is really the key part, they were always willing to and happy to improve or expand uh, docs that they'd already written. Um, when I would point out omissions or uh, go to them with confusing bits, I'd be like, I just tried to run this, and this doesn't work. Oh, because your system isn't set up in exactly the same way that my system is. Oh, OK, is there some other way that you can write this command so that I can literally copy paste it? So when I have to run this at 2 in the morning because the servers died, I don't have to think about it. I can just do it. Um, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So folks were willing. Um, there wasn't like an attitude problem or anything like that, but still there was this gap. Um, so between how I how good I knew our technical docs could be and where they were. Um, so uh, so I knew that this wasn't the case. I knew that it wasn't you know agency land all over again um, because my colleagues did care and the organization did care. I just hadn't quite figured out why. Um, so I started talking to engineers while they were helping me get my local environment set up, you know, patiently walking through Unix commands beyond the like dozen that I happened to have memorized. Um, and I'd casually ask, you know, what they were working on, how it interacted with different parts of our product, um, how they learned about their colleagues' work. Um, and this brings me to my first suggestion for anyone at a startup or at a fast-moving organization that has this gap between what your documentation is and what it could be. Figure out why your organization cares about technical docs and do this as fast as possible. Um, it's, uh, don't guess, because um, it's really easy to guess, right? We all have, uh, particularly as documentarians or as engineers who write a lot of documentation, like we have our own reasons as to why documentation um, should be great. Um, I mean, that's literally what we do for a living. So uh, it's really important to take a step back and, and realize that for your engineering organization, and possibly other parts of your organization as well, your reasons are not their reasons. And if you're trying to get your engineers to um, write their docs, you have to understand why they're not doing it first. Um, and if your engineers are happy to, but the organization overall isn't doing it, figure out why that's not happening first, um, as opposed to just saying, oh, well, you all suck. Like, that's, that's clearly not it. Um, so um, anyway, don't guess, um, because then you're going to wind up advocating for processes and procedures that fix different problems than the ones you actually have. So you'll you know, wind up in situations like this one. Um, the, um, this, by the way, is my favorite um, uh, comic in the universe. Um, 
the reason why it's important not to guess, and I, I know that I'm sort of belaboring this point, but the reason why it's important not to guess is that your engineer's approach to technical documentation is an expression of your engineering uh, organization's culture. Um, and what you document and how you document are an expression of your company values. Um, we talked about Facebook's move fast and break things. That's an expression of culture and of, of value. Um, so you know, what does your internal documentation say about the expectations you have for your engineers, the expectations that they have for themselves? Something to think about. Um, after almost two years at, at this organization, what I would say is that at my organization, maybe you know, this is different from organization to organization, but in my or engineering organization, the thing we value is the ability to learn from each other. Um, that's why we all come to work um, every morning. Um, and that's a really important uh, piece of information to have when we start to think about how to fix this gap between how good our docs are and how good they could be. Um, and then that brings me to my second suggestion, which is really important that you do after the first suggestion. Um, so only after you've figured out why your colleagues care about documenting you know, their code and their code bases and your processes, should you start poking and prodding to figure out what's broken. I mean, we all have hunches going in. Like, I was like, I mean, I showed you all the screenshots of things that I identified clearly as things that were broken going in. Um, but I didn't have the context to know if those were the most important things to fix first. Um, I didn't know if those things were just one-offs or if each of those things was part of a systemic problem. Um, so uh, figure out what's broken now that we know what we're striving for, and then you can go fix them. Um, in the case of my organization, uh, this is not general purpose advice, but I figured folks would be curious. So uh, what I learned is that internal documentation is actually seen as a, a, a dead artifact. Um, and even in a world of living style guides and self-generating docs, of which I've implemented each of those multiple times, the truth is that those things don't eliminate the work of maintaining your documentation. You're just improving the ergonomics of it. Um, there's no free lunch. Um, and living style guides occasionally need transfusions. Like, st stuff breaks, the world changes. Um, Self-generating docs occasionally need new things grafted on or things pulled out. Um, you often find, um, and this is a, a common frustration of engineers, they'll go through the hassle of setting up the magic self-generating ecosystem and then some, some shit in there is broken. Um, and now you've wasted an entire day trying to make docs write themselves when it probably would have been faster if you just written them from the get-go, um, right? So. Um, the, the notion uh, that documentation is a rapidly depreciating asset, that was something that was surprisingly universal across our engineering organization. Um, and I think putting it in those terms um, uh, kind of made it um, put into, put into um, perspective why otherwise uh, you know, awesome, communicative, excellent writing engineers be like, I'm not going to bother writing this. Because they see it as a waste of time. And sometimes they're not wrong. Um, uh, other problems that we had was that the engineering team generally uh, saw writing these things 
writing documentation, like internal docs on individual code bases is unnecessary. Given a high enough hiring bar, you hire someone who like already knows all about this ecosystem, is an expert in this programming language. I sit next to a guy who literally wrote a book on Python. Um, you hire people like that, eh, you don't have to worry so much about the how to get this running on your system because you've done it a million times before and you know. Um, and uh, relatedly, uh, sometimes engineers don't want to write documentation because they know the code really well because they wrote it and work on it every day and have for the last year. Um, why would they need to document something that they know so intimately? Um, and I mean, of course, we all see the fallacy here, right? As soon as you hire someone new, as soon as someone leaves, as soon as someone else joins, things get reshuffled. You put down that code base and don't pick it up for six months. Um, now you're going to regret not having those docs. Now you're going to take a little bit of time to get more up to speed. Um, but uh, uh, it's like the difference between the fire being in the other room and the fire being right here. If there's something more. Uh, compelling, more on fire right now, it's, it's going to be deep, uh, doc, doc writing will be deprioritized. Um, and again, engineers aren't wrong in that, which is really hard to say because, damn it, the outcome of that is that we don't get our docs. But sometimes engineers aren't wrong. Um, and uh, there was one final thing that I uncovered. Um, and this one, um, I've seen at other startups too, um, and this one, I'm. Uh, this is something that I feel very strongly about because this one is the low-hanging fruit. This is so avoidable if you do the right thing at the right time, <coughs> and that is that. Um, uh, the thing that I uncovered was that uh, there was a small disagreement at the leadership level when I started as to where internal docs should live. Should they be in the readme on the code base? Should they be in a wiki? Should they be on sticky notes on a wall? Should they be on whiteboard? Like I'm starting to list bad ideas now, but like there are so many places where you can keep those docs. Um, and even within those tools, um, so there are lots of different tools you can stick it in, and even within those tools, People will use those tools in different ways. Um, and uh, this is something where there are so many good ways to do it that it doesn't matter which way you pick as long as you pick one. The thing that matters is that you pick one and that it's enforced and socialized across the entire engineering organization. And that's not a one-time thing. That's ongoing work that you sign up for. If you're leading an engineering organization, um, if, that's, if that's something that you have responsibility for, part of your responsibility is to make sure that the people who are working with you get to work on things that matter. And uh, you know, arguing or spending any brain cycles thinking about whether these instructions that they just wrote up should go in a readme or in the wiki or where in the wiki, if they're spending time on that, that's a failure of leadership in my opinion. Um, so this one, is a gimme. Um, and I would say actually, you know, uh, that again, it doesn't matter where you pick as long as you pick a place. Um, and this is something that I've seen a lot of startups not do so well at. Um, and possibly big organizations too. Um, uh, I imagine that the reason why this happens in big organizations is different than the reason it happens in startups, but the uh, outcome is the same and that outcome is poor.
And I have a final suggestion today. And this one is the one that's specific to fast-moving organizations. And that is that you need to periodically reevaluate and rinse and repeat. At every inflection point of your organization, you must do this. So last time I'm going to mention Facebook. Facebook in 2014 publicly announced that their motto was no longer move fast and break things. They'd reached a size and level of complexity um, where a different trade-off between speed and quality and reliability was appropriate than what it than what would have been appropriate in their earlier days. Um, and that's okay. Um, I think they got a lot of crap in the press about it at the time, but that makes sense. Um, your fast-moving organization is going to go through the same thing. At different inflection points, the reason why you're going to write technical docs will change. Um, and at those moments, it's important to reevaluate how you're doing it so that you can adjust if you need to. So at an earlier stage, I, and this is actually where I, I want to give credit where credit's due, it was, I think, the same moment that I joined the engineering organization as someone who had front-end only experience where most of what we were doing was sort of more back-end, so, okay. Um, um, shall we all wave our hands? Um, I'll just finish the thought. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I think it was right at that. The reason why that was so painful for me is because I happened to join at that inflection point. Um, uh, I was the first pure front end hire, which means that a lot of the existing tooling and whatever wasn't set up for me, but I had to make my way in it. Um, so that's an important thing to recognize. Um, um, and so I have two postscripts. Um, one is that a perfectly valid reason to care about technical docs is to reduce bus factor. Who here knows what bus factor is? Cool. So your bus factor is um, a high bus factor is bad. A low bus factor is good. Um, your bus factor is if I walk out the door and get hit by a bus, how screwed is my organization? Um, so, um, so again, high bus factor, bad. Um, a really good reason to have technical docs is uh, to reduce bus factor. Um, this is something that's particularly important at uh, uh, small nonprofits or, or at small organizations in general, um, but particularly at startups. Um, my startup actually laid off a third of its staff last week, which was highly painful. I still have a job. Um, but it was pretty painful. Um, it could have been more painful, but for the work that we had done um, over the past year and a half or so of making sure that um, all of our critical software has the minimum amount of documentation in place so that if some server falls over in the middle of the night, we're not screwed. Um, my second postscript is that just this. It turns out that those things that you do to make it possible to write good docs at a startup also happen to make it a really high-functioning startup and a really great place to work. So I don't know if that needs to be the reason why you care, but if you're looking for a reason, I can think of worse ones. That's all I got. Thanks. Yeah. So 
you said you didn't have the context when you started to know what was most important about what was broken, but you could identify broken things. How long did it take you to get that context, and how did you know when you had it? Sure. So the question was, um, how long did it take to get the, the context of knowing uh, why things or what things were broken and how to what fix yeah. or what was important? Um, I would say that it took um, it took about two months to get past that initial pain, um, and that was which is a long time. But again, I did join at that inflection point, um, and I was you know not quiet about that fact. And so um, uh, I think there were it took about two months to get to the point where I was like, all right, here are things that need to be fixed now. Here are things that can wait. Um, here are things that we can fix as we go. Um, and it also took probably about two or three months to feel pretty comfortable with that answer of why does documentation matter? What does this organization value? Um, when you're interviewing at a place, you hope to get a, a good sense of what the organization values. Um, and in the best working environments, um, there is no difference between what you learn about an organization while you're interviewing versus what you experience when you start. Um, I think we all know that that's not always the case. And so um, I think it does take probably about two, three months, however much time it takes to like settle into a job um, to really uh, understand sort of on, on a felt level um, as opposed to just sort of an intellectual understanding level of what your organization values. How do you contribute to getting the right answer there and, and having it go through the whole organization? Sure. So the question was, um, is, it, is it on leadership? Is it leadership's responsibility to uh, determine what these values are and socialize them? Um, and I would say that, yes. It's, uh, if, I would say that it's everyone's job. Um, the, there's a <coughs> saying that I am uh, going to paraphrase. Um, but it's something like if you if you need a ship built, don't gather people and teach them you know gather wood and teach them how to assemble a ship or whatever. Instead, make them long for the sea. That's the responsibility that I see leadership as having. Um, you set the value, um, you set the the overall direction, and then you make sure that um, you hire people who are like, okay, this is the direction we're going, um, and here's how we're all going to get there together. Um, the nice thing about articulating at sort of a company values level um, uh, that documentation is, is one of those values is that um, you tend to end up hiring uh, engineers and uh, other staff who happen to be really good communicators, which when you're a small startup um, or any sort of small organization, um, your ability to communicate well internally is I mean, that's, that's gasoline on the fire, right? Like, that's, that's what lets you move quickly. Um, so that can be the difference between success and failure. Any other questions? OK, thanks very much. Thank you.